like to welcome everyone back to the Duck Pond Wall, a show here on WEHC where we talk to, talk with, talk about sometimes, but talk with an Emory and Henry graduate. And I am so excited to get to talk today with Ms. Lauren Ray, class of 2021. Lauren, how are you doing? I'm doing great. How are you, Monica? I'm doing fine. You know, poor Lauren, she got dragged into this last minute, spur of the moment. We're recording this today on August the 8th, 2023. And we've just we've just seen each other, actually, because we took a group of students to Saltville, where Lauren works. It's Service Plunge Day. A lot of folks listening might have gone to Service Plunge as a new student. Lauren, did you do that when you were a new student? Yep, I sure did. We went to um, Abingdon, if I remember correctly, and packed backpacks for students. So, yep. Sweet. Yeah. So they send, They. this is a great tradition. I'm not sure how long we've done this, but they send students out. Today, they sent students out to 20 different sites around Washington and Smith's counties. And they basically just did a service project and got sort of, it's like dipping your toe into community service. And so the cool thing was this morning before we left, they did a, a little icebreaker. And she said, how many of you have never done a service project before? And there were only a couple of kids in the group who had never done this before, some kind of service project before, which I thought was kind of great. But, but today they got to meet a lot of community partners. And it has been my pleasure for the last couple of years to take a group to Salt Vegas, as we like to call it, to Saltville, Virginia, because I love what our alumni are doing there as either employees or community volunteers. There's a lot of, there are a lot of people committed to that little town, aren't there? There sure are a lot more than one would anticipate and a lot goes on behind the scenes. So yeah, exactly. And so there's a lot of cool stuff going on there. Let's, let's catch everybody up on you. And then we might have a little time to talk about Saltville at the end, but I, I'm so, one of the reasons I wanted our students to meet you today is because you were doing some very cool stuff. And I loved the story you told the students about what you're doing now and how you came to that decision. Can you sort of tell us that story? Yeah, absolutely. So um, my freshman year, going into second semester, I'd made out my own schedule, um, didn't really run it by my advisor. I was like, these are the classes I want to take. So I ended up in a 300 level history course. It was a history of the Cold War with Dr. Matt Shannon. And um, so my great uncle was the assistant head of the civil defense for Smith County during the Cold War. So I had all of his paperwork and everything like that. So I knew a baseline knowledge about it, um, but I just fell in love with studying that era and all the technological progress and how it has shaped the world that we live in today. So I ended up writing my senior thesis in history. I was a history political science double major, so it makes sense. Sure. Uh, but I ended up writing my senior thesis on the fears and forces of the Cold War in rural Appalachia. And I focused on Emory and Chilhowee and Saltville and Marion, less so Chilhowee, but um, just the area in general. And I knew that I wanted to continue studying nuclear weapons, the Cold War, international politics, things like that. Um, so I started looking for nuclear weapons courses and programs that are offered in that realm. And it's it's not as uh, well populated as you might imagine. So there were, um, I want to say, six schools in the nation that offered the program. And um, Harvard happened to be the closest one to Southwest Virginia. Which is right around the corner. Yeah, yeah. I mean, relatively. I think it's just past seven mile forward, right? Yeah, if you take a left. Um, yeah. <laughs> 
<laughs> so I ended up um, applying and get, I got into Harvard Extension School. Um, I received my certificate in nuclear deterrence last May. And right now I'm working on finishing up my thesis for international relations, where I'm looking at how um, the shifts in American society have actually made us less prepared to survive the nuclear war. So it's very optimistic, but. Well, it sounds like quite the roses and sunshine story. Why, why are we less prepared? Well, between the reliance on technology and then there are certain things that aren't taught in schools that used to be like, so first aid and home ec and things like that. So, so if someone is injured, they're going to have to go to a hospital, but hospitals rely on technology. And with nuclear weapons, you have an EMP. So that technology would be disabled. So in a way, even though we've progressed technologically and as a civilization, should we have to regress, we're much less prepared. That is the saddest thing that I've heard today. And I've heard some stuff. Tell me what an EMP is. Um, it's an electromagnetic pulse. Um, so they come... There are actually some weapons that are not nuclear weapons that have EMPs, just they're EMP-based weapons, but um, solar flares actually do the same thing. And so I believe it was in the 1800s when it knocked out like all the telegraph lines and everything like that. So it affects electronics, both like advanced, like laptops, cell phones, things like that, but it also affects pretty much anything that has electricity running through it, unless it's hardened. Um, but Yeah. You know, there's, I, I got to say, there's a part of me that is so like touched by the fact that you're saying that we stand a, a lousier chance of surviving nuclear holocaust because we don't have home ec anymore because I did take home ec and I feel like I'm ready for the apocalypse. Yeah, I had one class in eighth grade, so I know the sewing and some of the cooking and things like that. But I mean, it's not only that, like the move from small rural farms that families could depend on to large scale agriculture, like that's another their big thing and then of course globalization and there's a lot of factors that go into it and I'm trying to hopefully do a comprehensive study on it so and that is completely fascinating I'm also going to make you back up a second to you said you had a certificate in in nuclear nuclear deterrent what, yeah what, so it's what, a, it's what a, does that mean it's a graduate certificate in nuclear deterrence so the idea the philosophy behind nuclear deterrence is um it kind of goes back to once we were no longer the unipolar nuclear power so once the soviet union had nuclear weapons we knew that we could not strike them without them striking us and it's kind of the mutually assured destruction idea that maintain um our nuclear weapons to prevent nuclear weapons from ever being used. So, so it's using nukes to deter the use of nukes. Oh, it feels a little discouraging. So your certificate then is just in in how that about learning about how I'm just trying to imagine like are you out there like you know disengaging these nuclear warheads or do you just understand it better than most? No, no, no. No, I just understand it better than most. Um, so it's mostly coming from a policy standpoint and looking at arms control agreements in the past and different conflicts and why weren't nuclear weapons used and things like that. Oh, so, so the deterrence thing, if you think about how Putin's saber rattling to keep the United States from like more directly intervening in the war, that's kind of nuclear deterrence, but it's deterring conventional warfare rather than the use of nukes. Oh, interesting. All right. So what would you say is like the most surprising thing that you have learned in your studies? Yeah, I laughed today when you said uh, something about the Cold War and you laughed and said, this is kind of my niche. I mean, you this is quite 
the interesting rabbit hole that you've gone down. So tell me what you would say maybe is one of the most interesting things that you have learned. Um, probably doing studies of broken arrow incidents. So there's broken arrows and they're bent arrows. So broken arrows are um, accidents involving nuclear weapons that could have resulted in the dispersal of radioactive materials, pretty much. That's not the correct spot on definition, but that's the idea. Right. And then bent arrows are like they were moved to some place where they weren't supposed to have been. And I would just say the number of broken arrow incidents that have occurred since the beginning of the Cold War and how so many of them, well, actually atomic age, really, but uh, it never really gets talked about. So it's something that's really interesting to me because, I mean, so in Goldsboro, North Carolina, um, I want to say it was a B-52. It had to release its nukes. And um, there's actually one that's still buried in a swamp by the road in North Carolina, um, and they could never get it out of the ground. So I want to say the Department of Defense bought the little plot of land around it, and there's a little historic marker and everything like that. But she's just laying there. Um, they don't think, yeah. even after even now, they can't figure out a way to get that darn thing out of there? Well, I want to say that there were like four switches to arm it. And three of the four had been switched, so it would have detonated. And it's too, like, tricky to get it out. I might not be 100% on that, but that's what I can uh, remember of the story. How do, you, how do you study this and not, like, think I'm just going to bury my head in a bucket? I mean, does it does scare you to know some of this stuff? It, it does scare me. Uh, don't get me wrong. Uh, nuclear war and the prospect of it is absolutely terrifying. Um especially knowing how out of our hands it really is. Because yeah. I mean, during the Cold War, there was an incident where the moon almost caused the Soviet Union to launch nuclear weapons at the United States because they thought it was a missile. So um, we've had a lot, a lot, a lot of near misses. Um, wow. But I don't know. It just, it fascinates me just how we've survived so long with them. And the idea that instead of, I mean, if you watch Oppenheimer, he was, he was terrified and justifiably so, but in a way he became a preserver of peace because we haven't had a world war since nuclear weapons were created. And I mean, I know that the decision to drop the bombs at the end of world war two has received a lot of varying opinions on it. Um, but, and I cannot just, I'm not going to justify or denounce the decision. I'm just going to leave it out there. I don't want to get political. But knowing how many servicemen were projected to die uh, in lieu of, it just, I don't know, it changed the entire world. Right. Especially at the beginning of the atomic age when we had the big push for nuclear energy. And like they were talking about having cars that were fueled by like uranium, which is absolutely crazy. But... <laughs> But, but you know what, an idea, it was an idea. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Um, I want to remind everybody we're speaking today with Lauren Ray, Emory Henry class of 2021, who was talking to us a little bit about her research and her academic work, but there's some other things we want to talk to her about. And one of them is, Lauren, what do you plan to do with all this interesting, fascinating information you're getting? What are you going to do with this degree? Um, so I plan on joining the Air Force um, and then... <laughs> Yeah, you didn't know that one. Um, <laughs> that. I thought I kind of knew what was you were going to say, and that didn't. That was not on the list. Tell us so more. On, yeah, so I'm either going to do um, career military or do spend some time in the military, and then um, probably go to DC and work on policy and things like that. So 
What? Tell me what you plan to do in the Air Force. Um, so the Air Force and the Navy are the two branches that are like predominantly associated with nuclear weapons. And the program that I got my certificate through is actually a joint program with the Air Force. So I can't really learn more right now as a civilian, but I can learn more and apply my policy knowledge to a strategic standpoint um, by doing that, just integrating the two. This thing with the Air Force, that is a surprise to me, but that's really exciting. So so what you're saying is you're basically going to get an even more intimate understanding of the whole situation and then go to D.C. and try to like help with policy. Yeah, ideally. And then eventually, hopefully retire back to here and continue to benefit my community in whatever way that I can. So, Well, what a nice segue to the other thing I was going to talk about, which is the fact that right now, it's like you, it's like you set me up. It, right now, you tell, tell everybody where you're working right now as you work um, on so this right now, degree from Harvard. Yeah. So right now I work um, as the administrative assistant at the Museum of the Middle Appalachians over here in Saltville. And I also um, just started a position with the town of Saltville as the director of historic preservation and community beautification. And do tell, what is that position? Is this a new position? Yes, it is a new position. Um, so what I am doing is, so Saltville is a company town. Um, when Olin pulled out in 72, um, the town and the community really had to assume a lot of responsibility that they never had before because Olin had been kind of a paternal figure in the community who took care of everything. So what I'm doing is when Olin left, they gave everything to the town. Um, and there was the creation of the salt park that's on the west end of town and just a lot of other things to kind of focus on tourism. And in the 50 years since then, they've kind of fallen into a state of disrepair. So um, at the Salt Park, I'm working on cleaning that area up, um, making sure that there's signage so people understand what they're looking at. There's the actual ruins of the original salt furnaces that's located over there, and it was so overgrown that nobody knew it was actually there. Um, so I'm doing that. There's a building um, at the golf course that when they cut in 107, a family actually lived in, and then it became the old pro shop. So I've redone that. Um, just little things that often get overlooked that need to be done to help with both the aesthetics and the longevity of the town. So when you say it was an old building and you've redone that, what is what 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 have you done? So I've repainted the entire exterior and we're working on maybe getting a new roof on it. Um, so I'm optimistic about that. Um, What's it going to be? So they've, there's been discussion about having it be the pro shop again at the golf course, but that one's above my pay grade. Um, so I don't really know. Basically, <laughs> so you get now. to be in charge of like taking some of the things that have become a bit derelict and making it look awesome again. Yeah, yeah. I'm trying to help... Because, I mean, the town themselves, they're working on finishing the salt trail and getting the campgrounds in and everything like that. And I want to make sure that, and I mean, this also kind of benefits me at the museum as well, because, I mean, man cannot live off bread alone. We can't have only one thing that draws people into the community. We need to have things that also make them want to stay here and spend time here and come back and see different things. And I mean, you know, the well fields and the birds and like how beautiful, how beautiful this valley is. Right. So I'm trying to make sure that the history and the beauty and it all just kind of marries together. So that is fantastic. Do Of all the things that you're working on, is there something you're particularly excited about? Um, yes, I'm trying. So we're working on a memorial for the victims who passed away in the Muck Dam disaster. 
So um, that one's really close to my heart because um, my ancestors actually had the funeral home in Chilhowee where a lot of the victims were sent after the disaster. So in a way, it feels like I'm carrying on the tradition of making sure that they are taken care of and memorialized properly. Um, so I'm really excited about that um, in a very sad way um, because we're coming up on the 100 year anniversary of the catastrophe and we're going to have the monument and the names and the stories and everything like that. So. And just as, a, and you don't have to go into great detail, but just so folks know that story, um, do you know, like the, the 32nd version of, of what happened there and how many folks were killed? So yeah, on Christmas Eve of 1924, um, the muck dams, which held the caustic waste from the chemical processes at Olin, one of them burst and it submerged an entire community that, a lot of them worked at the plant um, and it killed 19 people um, ranging in age from, I want to say a few months to 72 years. And some people were not even originally from here. They had come to visit their families for Christmas. Um, and some of the ones who had lived in that community were actually saved because they had come to town for Christmas Eve services and to watch a movie and things like that. But I mean, Matheson ended up paying for the funeral expenses, obviously, as they should. And then now you can't actually access where the community was because it is now literally underneath one of the additional muck ponds because, I mean, the chemical processes kept going. So they had to have somewhere to put the waste. So Yeah. So where would the memorial be? So the memorial is going to be in the commons area um, across from the museum downtown where the stage is. Oh, okay. Um, Yep. So it'll be oh, easily be accessible. Cool. We might have a historic marker down at the end of the road that would have led to the community. Um, that way you actually can see where it was. But. Yeah. Well, it's exciting. And it's fun to see what, all that's going on over there. You know, we, we had students over there today. They all ended up at the ice cream store before it was over with. And that was a lot of fun. And you've got all these little shops over there. You got Dr. Griffin's veterinarian clinic and the, the library. And there's just so many great things there's a Chinese restaurant there right next to the museum and oh, the best Chinese restaurant it's very very good and so yeah there's just so many great little things to ch check out over there but none better than the museum and so I you know just just real quick roll out those hours for people so they know when they can come visit okay so the museum is open seven days a week uh, Monday through Saturday we are open from 10 a.m until 4 p.m and on Sundays we are open from 1 p.m until 4 p.m so and it's really, it is like a world-class museum. It's crazy. We get that a lot. We're like, they're like, oh, wow, are you guys affiliated with the Smithsonian? It looks great in here. We never expected this from such a small town. And I'm like, hmm. a little diamond in the rough. People just, they just, they don't, ex they just don't expect stuff out of Saltwall. And it's a, it's a fascinating little community. Well, and so many people don't know how extensive and deep the history is in this valley. Um, like I was telling the kids earlier, in Thomas Jefferson's first notes on the state of Virginia, he talked about Saltville and the fossils that were found here. And then, you know, we were obviously of importance pretty much ever since then. Um, I actually didn't get to tell the kids today, but there was also a chemical plant that was constructed here by the Army during the First World War. Um, and the war ended before they could actually start production, but they actually had stationed about 100 soldiers here to man the plant. Yeah, a there's lot of people of that we're not in. Exactly. And there's not a party history you're not in. And that's, I think people want to associate it only with 
like that that war that happened for four years when really mm-hmm. you know you were part of the space race i mean you had you had spanish conquistadors who visited you had woolly mammoths i mean it is an amazing place and i as i said today it's exciting because the museum helps to tell all of those stories not just one story it's pretty cool absolutely absolutely all right lauren ray emory Henry class of 2021 i don't even know how to qualify you Harvard student, director of all things wonderful in Saltville, um, administrative assistant at the museum, um, and an expert in nuclear war. What the heck? I wear a lot of hats. That's why I have a big head. (laughs) (laughs) Well, thank you very much for talking with us today. And thank you for all that you're doing um, for the community, but also to make this world a better place. This is exciting to hear what your plans are. Thank you so much, Monica. You bet. All right. I want to thank everybody for being our guest today on the Duck Pond Wall. Thanks for being with us and for listening. Please stay tuned to WEHC 90.7 WISE FM WISE 90.5 because there is some great stuff coming up next. You know why, Lauren? You know why? We are the voice of Southwest Virginia.